Amen, amen. Isn't it a blessing to have a worship team that can lead you in worship like that? Whew, man. Mm, so good. So good. Uh, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you want to turn there, we're going to be in the first part of Deuteronomy 6. Now, I want to tell you, listen, being a father has been one of the most uh, amazing experiences in my life. At the same time, it's been one of the most overwhelming experiences of my life, right? As my kids get older, Cole's about to be a sophomore now, and uh, as I watch him grow and now look up to him, which is ridiculous. There's another word I want to use there. I just think it, I, I want to use that S-T-U-P-I-D word. Uh, I'm just saying it, it's ridiculous that I'm looking up to my, my almost 15-year-old. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't even know what to do with that. But, uh, but as that happens, man, and I see all my kids growing, Connor just left on a trip with, with, his, uh, with his best friend, and they, they went to Florida. He's going to Florida by himself. I'm like, what is going on in my life? Uh, it's hard as your kids get older and they do those things, not to think back to when they were younger, you know. And so this week I was doing, so I was thinking back when my kids were younger. I remember Cole uh, being our firstborn. We prayed for so long for a child. We tried to have a child for so long. The doctor said, we don't know if you'll ever have a child. And then, and then suddenly here's this little dude that looks like me. And I was like, whoa. And I remember just that overwhelming feeling. And then I remember um, I'm a little competitive. My wife will tell you. Uh, some of you know that. Um, Pam Harkins knows I'm a little competitive when it comes to game nights, which it's been a while, by the way. It's been a while. It's been a while, and I think we lost last time, James, so we need to get back on that. Uh, but a little competitive, and so I remember as he was starting to speak, I was like, he's going to say my name first. And my wife was like, no, he's not. But she didn't. I was off on Fridays. So I was off, and I was like all day long. I had eight hours a day to go, dad, 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 dad. I mean, I was cheap. I was, I was stuffing the ballot box, you know what I'm saying? And so I, I never, the first words were dad, dad. I was like, yes, that's awesome. It's just so cool to hear my little dude talk, right? And then he says, mama, right? And then, and then all of a sudden, you remember the age where your kid's vocabulary just like exploded and, and they're saying all kinds. And so then he was saying all kinds of stuff. And, and there was this one thing he said all the time that we could not figure out. I was like, what is the dude saying? Because he said it all the time. He would run around the house going, and I was like, what is he saying? He just all the time, and I was like, what is the kid saying? We could not figure it out until one time he got in trouble, and I was correcting him, and I said, Cole, you stop that right now. Do you hear me? And he looked at me, and he goes, and I was like, oh. And in that moment, I learned this little dude was going to be a sponge. And he was going to soak up, not just everything that I said, but everything that I did. And parents, you know what that's like. And so this morning, as we continue to talk about church membership, biblical church membership, I want to talk to you about your role as a biblical parent, right? What is your role as a Christian parent when it comes to church membership? That's what we're going to talk about this morning. Before we do, let's, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Okay, Father, um, we thank you for your word. So thankful that when it comes to really every situation in life, Lord, there's not one we can't think of. Every situation in life that your word addresses it. We can come to it. We can, we can find out what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to live, what we're called to look like. So God, I'm thankful for the passage we're going to read today from the Old Testament. I'm thankful that you have laid these foundations long before we came. And I'm thankful that by the power of your Holy Spirit, we can live this out. So Holy Spirit, we want to invite you in right now to come and take your place in this church. You are the teacher of this church, not me. 
So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and take your proper place, that you would teach us, that you would guide us, that you would exalt Jesus Christ in our midst, that we might see him clearly. And King Jesus, as we see you clearly, change us. Change us from the inside out. Show us as parents, we can do this. Show us as parents, it's not too late to do this. God, it's never too late to follow you. Help us, King Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. Uh, we're going to read through verse 9. This is part of what the Jews would recite daily. It's called the Shema. And it's really, really important stuff. It's foundational life kind of stuff. And so I'm in, I'm in Deuteronomy chapter 6, starting in verse 4. We're going to read through verse 9. And the Lord says this, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. Three things I want to share with you this morning in regards to church membership and being biblical parents. And here's the very first thing I want you to understand, guys. Ready? As parents, it is our responsibility to teach our children how to love God. Okay? As parents, it's our responsibility to teach children how to love God. Now, some of you are going like, I'm not parents. It's okay. Lots of children around in your life. Trust me. Lots, lots of children in your life. Lots of people that are watching you, okay? So I want you, you can substitute as godparents, as, as aunts, as whatever. As, as parents, it, it's, our, it's our responsibility to teach our children how to love God. Now, this is important. It's actually of utmost importance. Uh, I do want you to know this, and, and that's why I want to speak just to parents for a second. Um, you need to know, according to the Bible, that the primary discipler of your child, the person that has the primary responsibility to raise them up in the ways of the Lord is not the pastor of your church. It's not the children's director of your church, and it's not the youth minister of your church. It is your responsibility. It's your responsibility. That, that's, that, that's what the Bible says, that it, it is your responsibility as their parent to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. And, and again, I'm just going to read uh, verse 4 through 6, right? Uh, and, and hear me, I, I know what you think. Like, well, what about grandma and grandpa? Grandma and grandpa are great, all right? But again, it's not their responsibility. They can add to it, right? Aunt and uncle can add to it, okay? Uh, brother and sister can add to it. They, they can be examples. All Christians are examples, but the primary discipler of children is to be their parents. That's what the text says. And so, again, in verse 4, Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. This is the, the first and most important command. Now, some of you are new to the Bible, and that's awesome, man. I was new to the Bible uh, 20, 20 years ago-ish. 20-something 20 years ago, I, I was new to the Bible. I was walking in. I had read it, uh, uh, like, and I, I say read it. I had not read the whole thing. I had read a couple of like sections of it You know, when I was a kid, kind of growing up. I knew some basic stuff. I, I remembered the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Um, that was about it. And, and so I was very new to the Bible. When I came into church and people were studying the Bible, it was awkward for me. I, I, I felt kind of like a foreigner, like an alien. I didn't understand. It, it seemed like they're taking notes. They got this whole thing down. They're, they're, they got it all locked down, and I'm, I'm lost. And, um, and so it can be 
it can be overwhelming. And so maybe that's you when you come to the Bible, you're just not sure what, what to do, how to approach it. But I'm going to tell you this. The chief thing for all people, according to Scripture, the most important thing you do with your life is that you learn to love God with everything that you are. Like, you actually exist, according to Scripture, you exist. You have a heartbeat right now. You have breath in your lungs so that you can love and worship God. That's why you're here. That's your primary reason in life. And so some of you, uh, this may kind of freak you out a little bit because you've kind of been in that phase in life when you're wondering, like, what, what does God have for me? What am I supposed to be doing? And, and the truth is that all the other stuff, while it's cool, is not the most important. The most important thing you can do with your life is, is come to know God and love him with everything that you are. That's why you exist. That's why you exist. And you say, but I'm a teacher. Well, yeah, that's what you do. Why you exist is to know God and to love him and to worship him. That's why you were created by God. Made in his image to be with him, to love him, to worship him. That is why we exist. Now listen to me. If that's the primary reason that we exist, if that's where we find goodness in life, that's where we find blessing, as parents, what should we want for our children? We want the best, right? How many of you parents want your children to be better off than you were? Amen? Right? So as parents, like this should just be a natural outflow, right? I mean, I love my kids. I want what's good for my kids. I want my children to be blessed. Therefore, what should I be doing? I should naturally be sharing with them the most important thing in their life, right? Naturally, I want good things. And so surely I want the best thing for them. The best thing for our kids is that they would come to know Christ. That they would come to know God. They'd enter into a personal relationship with God through their faith in his son, Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing that we can do in life, okay? Next to knowing God personally, the next most important thing we do in life, parents, is teaching our children how to love God. That's our responsibility, okay? Now listen, the outcome is not up to you, okay? Parents, I just gotta say that to you. Okay, that whole proverb, raise your children up in the way that they should go, and they will not depart from it, right? That's a proverb, Okay? That, is, that, is, that means it's usually true, and that doesn't mean that if your kids are a little jacked up right now, it's all on you. Okay? Just need to know that, because we're all sinners. We get to choose. Okay? We get to choose. I'm going to obey. I'm not going to obey. So we just have to know. Right? Basically, it's saying, like, we have to lay the foundation. It is our responsibility to teach them how to love God. That's our responsibility. Now, whether they actually do it, okay, that's going to be up to the Lord, but it's our job to teach them how. It's our job to teach them how. So that's where we start. Okay? So we start there. Second thing I want to share with you. Ready? A huge part of teaching our children to love God is teaching them to love the church. Okay? This is the one we leave out all the time. Really important though. A huge part of teaching our children to love God is teaching them to love the church. I want you to listen to me. I've heard all the arguments. I've been in ministry for 19 plus years now. And so I know what you're going to say. Okay? I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, well, you don't have to go to church to love God right? You're going to say, I can worship God anywhere. You're going to say, I do love God. It's just all the people in his church I don't necessarily like, right? All those hypocrites. You're going to say, the Bible never says that you have to go to church, right? That's what you're going to say. And I love you. I've heard all those before. And so in love, I just want to speak the truth to you in love, right? In love, I want to tell you, uh, you're wrong on every point. In love, I love you, but you're wrong. You're completely wrong. Every, I've heard all those arguments, but all those arguments are wrong. And, and so the Bible, see, the Bible does actually say that we need to go to church. It does say that, Hebrews 10.25. So Hebrews 10.25, and let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, right? So it says like, this is why we gather. We gather so that we can look out for one another, so we can provoke, or, or, or I, I like a different church, like stir one another on to good deeds, right? It says not neglecting to gather together. 
right? As some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. Like Hebrews 10.25 actually says you've got to go to church. It says, it says it's important that you go to church. You, it says don't neglect it as some are in the habit of doing. You need to show up so that you can stir one another on to good works, meaning that on your own and by yourself, you don't do that. You don't do that. How do you really succeed if you want to lose weight? How do you really succeed? You get with some people that are like, James is looking at me, he said, I bet money. <laughs> I know, I bet somebody, that's how I do. No, but, but, but the truth in that is accountability. That's how you do it. Like you want to lose weight, you get in a group of five other dudes that are going, hey, we're going to lose weight. Right? That's what we're going to do. You want to start exercising, you get in a group with five other people and say, hey, hey, let's start exercising. And they're going to call you, they're going to hold you accountable. That's kind of the way it is. And so, so the Bible says, listen, church is really important because this whole Christian thing where, where you get up and you, you love God with everything you are is, is not natural, it's supernatural, okay? And because it's supernatural, because it's not natural, you need some spiritual people in your life to hold you accountable to following after that supernatural. You follow me? And so, so the Bible says, hey, don't neglect meeting together. Don't stop doing that. That's, that's really important. So the Bible does say we need to go to church, all right? It, it, it says that. Not only does it say that, it also says that there is a special sacred type of worship that happens in church that cannot be duplicated on your own and by yourself, all right? Matthew eighteen twenty. Jesus says, for when two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there among them. Right? This is a special manifestation of the Spirit of God that only happens when the saints gather together to worship and pray. Do you know that? So, so, yes, can you experience God out by the lake with a fishing pole in your hand? Absolutely. But it will not be the same as being with his people. It can't be. It can't be. There's a special promise manifestation of the Spirit of God when the people of God gather together to worship and pray. It is, you can only get it in church. You can only get it with the saints. Right? And so, yes, you can have an experience with God, but it won't be the same manifestation of the Spirit as you get when you are with the saints of God because God promises this special blessing to those that gather in his name. It's really, really cool. It's really, really cool. Finally, I believe the Bible ultimately teaches us that if we truly love Jesus, we must love the church because he did. And, and he died to make her holy. Ephesians 5, 25 and 26 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water of the word. Um, you might want to write this little part down. Ready? If we love God, we must love what he loves. It's that simple, right? If we love God, we have to love what he loves. Husbands know this, right? If you've been married for a long period of time, amen, Pat? Right? You, you got to love what she loves. You got to learn to, right? You don't start that way, do you? You don't start that way. She says, I want to do such and such. You go, oh my gosh, this is killing me. Eventually, it becomes something like it becomes part of your DNA. You go, no, no, I want to do that because I love you. And, and because I love you, I want to do what you love, right? And the same is true for, for my wife. My wife wants to do the things that I love to do. I want to do the things that she loves, right? Because I love her. That's part of how it works. Listen, if we love God, and that's, that's why we're created, to love God, then we have to love what God loves. God loves the church so much that he sent his son Jesus to lay down his life for her. That's, that's the collective body of people that would come to faith in Jesus Christ. He sent, he sent his son to lay down his life to make them holy. God loves the church. And if we're going to love God, we have to love what he loves. Our primary purpose is to love God. 
As parents, we're instructed to teach our children to do the same. Jesus loved the church. That means I must love the church. And I must teach my children to do the same. All right? She brings me to the last point. We're done. Loving God and others. When I say others, I'm talking about the church, right? Church is not a place. It's people. So loving God and loving others is often more caught than taught. All right? Loving God and others is often more caught than taught. You hear me? It's often more caught than taught. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. With our words, we have to intentionally teach our children to love God. We have to teach them what the Scripture says. We need to teach our kids intentionally, specifically, hey, the the most important thing you can do with your life is learn to love God with all of your being, right? That's the greatest commandment of God upon your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your... This is the most important thing you can... We actually have to specifically teach them that, all right? In fact, let me show you this in in verse 7 on the screen. Ready? Uh, Repeat them to your children. Let's talk about the commands of God. Here's the commands of God. You you do this. It says, repeat them to your children. Right? Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, that word repeat, it's actually a phrase in the Hebrew. And and the phrase specifically uh, means teach diligently. It's about a formal training. Okay? So we're, we're responsible for formally training our children in the commands of God. That's, 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 that's true. That's what we say. Okay, that's what we say. That's the teaching part. Okay, that's, that's the taught part. But then check out what it says right after that. It says talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. See, that's not the same word in the Hebrew. That's, that's not a formal teaching word. That's a casual conversation word. And what it's saying is, listen, while you have to formally educate your children about the things of God, you also have to show your children that those things are important to you in the way that you live. See, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. It says your kids should be able to see in the way that you live that God is real. That what you believe about God, that your primary mission in life to love God with everything that you are, like is real. They need to see that in your life. This is a reference to the love of God encompassing all that we do. It's not about a, a time of formal training. It's about a lifestyle. Okay? And why would God say that? Think about that one. Why would God say, now talk about these things casually when you get up, when you walk, when you lay down? Like, why would God say that? Ready? Because God knows what I learned 14 and a half years ago. <laughs> right? That our children are sponges. That our children are sponges. That they don't just learn through formal times of teaching and instruction. They learn by watching and listening to our daily interactions. Right? And because this is true, there are some conversations that we need to have that we don't ever talk about in church. Because our kids are sponges, there's some things we need to talk about that we don't talk about enough. And so I want to talk to you about those things because I love you. And I want you to know I'm not killing it. All right? I'm working. I'm a work in progress. So here's the things I think we need to talk about. One of the number one things we need to talk about, and I'll just ask it in in question format. So here's the first question I ask you. How do you worship? How do you worship God? Okay? So, So it's more caught than taught. 
so I can tell my children, man, you got to love God with everything you are. It's the greatest command in my life. How many of you had parents, though, that never told you that they loved you? Stinks, doesn't it? It's affected you, hasn't it? It, it, it's very difficult for you to express that to other people now, isn't it? Right? Okay? Why? Because the person that you were to model your life after didn't live out what they were supposed to live out. You follow me? I'm here to tell you, your children are going to catch their love for God, right? And the primary thing they're to do in life is to worship God with everything that they are. And what I'm saying to you is that you're their model for that. You are their model. So the question I would ask is, how do you worship God? And listen, I'm not just talking about expressive hand raising, okay? That's fine. Like, that's fine. But I'm talking about just genuine, real. Like, like do, you, do you go to church and just kind of go through the motions? Listen, guys, hear me. I, I'm not a great singer. It's terrible. I, I sound great in the shower. I'm not lying. I don't know what happens when I get here, but I sound good in the shower. And then I walk out of the shower, and it all just goes you know, in a handbasket. Uh, and and I, I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but, but in the shower, it's great. Listen, but when you come here, the Bible says you're going to make a joyful noise. Sing to the Lord is what the Bible says, right? Sing, sing a new song. And so when you show up in church, men especially, you should be the loudest people in church. I mean, I mean, really, the women should have to sing so loud just to make it sound better. That's how it should be. Men, you should, you should, and, and I, I mean this, as, as the spiritual head of the household, you should be the one that is as passionate about God as anyone else. And so you may not feel comfortable raising your hands, but by golly, you better work out the service, right? You better respond. You better be a part of it. How about this? Do your children ever see you shaken by God? You ever allow them to see that? Or are you so, so buttoned up that you never let them see that God affects you, right? You, you allow yourself to be emotional, like, hey, God shakes you. You, you, you cry in church, or you come down to the altar in church. Like, your, your children need to see God in you, working in you. Why? Because worship is more caught than taught. Okay? So, so, it's got to, so, so I, I start with this question, how, how do you worship God? You hear me? How do you speak about others and serve others? Right? So what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, the church. We've got to teach our children to love the church. The church is made up of people, and people are difficult. Amen. Come on. I can't get an amen in the whole sermon. Like, this should be the point. I get an amen. People are difficult, of which I am one of the worst. All right? People are hard. It's hard to love people. And so here's what I'm going to ask. When it comes to the people of God, and by the way, all people are made in his image, uh, do you have a tendency to point out the speck in other people's eyes and point out the flaws in other people's eyes, which means that to everyone around you, all you're doing is complaining about what is wrong with everyone else. Okay? Now, that is me-centered Okay, which, which means you ain't serving anybody when it comes to the people of God. Instead, what you're doing is placing expectations on others and you're showing up going, well, they're not meeting my needs. All those people with all their problems, they can't even see that I need blah, 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 blah. And what you're seeing, you're seeing the speck in everybody else's eye. Okay, and that's what your kids are hearing. They're hearing you talk and complain about other people. Well, they don't, they look at their family. Well, look at this, and then blah, 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 that. And your kids are, man, they're, they're soaking that in like a sponge. 
Or do your kids hear you going, man, I wish I could be like all those other people. I have such grave sin in my life. I've got such a plank in my own eye. I'm so grateful to be a part of the body of Christ. I will do whatever I can to help anybody, right? It's a total change of mindset. So what we say and how we serve, and our kids are watching that stuff. It's really, really important. It's really, really important, okay? What about, uh, what about your planning? I'm getting personal now. How do you plan your calendar? Is church the last thing that you pencil in? Like, hey, if we can fit it in today, we're in. Otherwise, eh. Because I'll just tell you, we love you. Um, if everybody in our church that's a member, active member of our church showed up, both of our services would be full every Sunday. We've got over 400 active members. But on average, a lot of people come about every third week. Okay? I'm not trying to guilt you. You're like, I hadn't been here in a while. This is not about you. Wrote this message way before I knew you hadn't been here. Okay? I'll just be honest with you. I'm slipping, yo. I, I cannot remember who has been here and not been here. We went to two services like, like eight years ago. So for eight years, I may see you in the 830. I may see you in 11. I just want to be honest. You could probably skip a lot more and I wouldn't know, okay? I don't know. I, we, look, we got Sunday school roles. That's how we know, okay? So eventually, like if you're ever not here, I had somebody that was not here for four weeks in a row and they never called us to let us know they were in the hospital. And then when they finally showed back up, they were mad at me. And I was like, I'm so sorry, but we've been averaging 275 people a week for the last four weeks. And I, I, I don't know. That's a lot to put on, on this, this head that's not always in the right place. You know what I'm saying? But I want to ask you, because listen, your kids, it's more caught than taught. What does your calendar look like? Do you plan your life calendar around church? So listen, we got it. No, we can't do that Sunday morning. Now we can go Sunday afternoon, but we're gonna make sure Sunday morning we're here, right? Do you make it a point when the church has fellowship events to try to to try to? Now I'm not saying you got to be at all of them, but just to try to bring your family to those things so that they spend time with the family of God has to be a part of how we think. It's got to be important. We're about to enter into the summer. We've got a bunch of uh, of Sunday night fellowship events. We have one tonight. Uh, it's it's finger foods and human foosball. We do not have the human foosball court set up yet, but it will be set up by golly by the time we start. Got to go pick up some cattle panels. It's going to be something. At the park with cattle panels, it's going to smell great. Um, it's it's going to be fun. Just show up and laugh at people. It's okay. All right? Bring a little something to eat. It'll be fun. All right? But our kids are watching those things. Our, our kids are learning from us. They are learning from every single thing we do. I got to wrap things up, guys. Uh, how about... Uh, Last question. Are your children, do they see that you're committed to being known in the fellowship of the saints? Right? Are you, are you a Sunday morning only person? How, 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 how much do your kids see you working to be known? Right? Because I'll just be honest. That's one of the things that happens in church. You have to make yourself known. It's weird. I, I know that everybody wants it. Well, the church should just be always. Well, the church is a bunch of people that all have a million different things going on. I'm just going to be honest. And, and there is some organizational structure. And we try to create spaces for you to be able to do life together. But ultimately, you have to step into that and start doing life with people. That's part of the, that's part of the problem. 
It's hard to create that, that, that connectivity. So you've got to work at it. It is a work on your part. Um, it is our responsibility to teach our children to love God. Huge part of that is teaching them to love the church. This is more caught than taught. By the way, George Barney, Barna had a study uh, several years back, and what he found through the study is that the majority of children will grow up and participate in church about as much as their parents. We started this earlier and you said, I want better for my kids. Anybody want their kids to love the Lord more than they do? Anybody want their kids to love church more than they have? Well, guess what? And you better get to work. Because they're going to learn it from you, not from me. They're going to learn it from you, not from Catherine. They're going to learn it from you, not from Ryan. Ultimately, we are still, and still, some of you got, like, my kids are older. You're still the model. It's not too late. Okay? You're still the model. So here's what we need to do. I want to give you some applications, some things you can start doing as a family. Number one, I want to challenge you to pray together as a family for the church. All right? Pray together as a family for the church. You want to pray for physical needs? Every Wednesday, we send out a, uh, a prayer list, and it's got all the physical needs of, of people in the church that have let us know that they have physical needs. And so we keep that updated. Tiffany sends that out. She sends out an email to the entire church. If you're not getting it, you need to email the office. That's O-F-F-I-C-E at fbcelgin.org. And say, Tiffany, will you please put me on the email uh, list? And, and she'll add you to the email list. You'll get those, uh, those prayer lists. And so, so pray for the physical needs of the church. Pray for the spiritual protection of the people of the church, especially the, the, the staff, as we talked about last week. Uh, pray for the witness and the work of the church and the community. You know what happens when you pray together with your kids about those things? Your kids start thinking that way. So you start praying, God! Would you, would you show us as a church how to impact the city of Elgin, Texas? And you'll be driving around and your kid will say, hey mom, why don't we do more stuff at the elementary school? Kids are the best, uh, they have the best ideas for outreach ever. They, they do. Now sometimes they're crazy, right? Hey, hey, what if we did ice cream Sundays at the elementary, because they love ice cream, right? And you're like, wow, that would really be awesome, wouldn't it? We did, what if we did a banana split that wrapped around the block? That would be so cool. Um, So just listen to your children. If you're praying for the community, like you're going to drive past the school and you'll be shocked because your kid is in school and she knows that there's 30 kids at the school that don't have a backpack. And she'll be like, hey, mom, why why doesn't the church ever think about providing backpacks for for Booker T? You go, oh, wow, that's awesome, right? Because now listen, if you're not praying with your kids about seeing those things, why would they ever talk to you about those things? But when you bring them into the tent of meeting with the Lord, and you pray about the church and its responsibility to the community, you'll be shocked at how involved they become, okay? Uh, so pray together as a family. Um, two, worship together as a family. Worship together as a family. I'm not just talking about coming to church, all right? I'm talking about participating in church, all right? So uh, I'll just tell you, with teenagers, this is work. <laughs> it is work. Because there are some Sundays that I, I got to go look up to my son and go, son, like we're here to... You know what I'm saying? I will stand on this pew and whoop you if I have to. Um, you, you're going to participate. You're going to participate. And, and so we have those conversations, man. Hey, are you singing? Like, I, I mean, sometimes during the welcome, 11 o'clock, I go, hey, I didn't see you singing. Everything okay? He's like, no, Dad, I'm singing. I'm just singing quietly. It's like, okay. All right, I just want to make sure. Uh, we're here to participate. That means that you have to participate. They have to see you participate and worship. Worship together as a family. Uh, number three, serve together as a family. Serve together in his family. Service uh, in the church teaches unconditional love. 
That's what it does. So why should we serve together as a family? Because you serve people that don't necessarily serve you back. Uh, They don't necessarily see all your personal needs. And you're choosing to love people in spite of who they are. That's what ministry is. It's loving people in spite of who they are, right? Because we're all messed up and broken and hurting. And when you start to understand that everybody else is messed up and broken and hurting, it just makes it a lot easier to love them. You just love them like you love yourself because you're like, I know I'm messed up and broken and hurting. And if they are as messed up, broken and hurting as I am, they need a hug. <laughs> I love them. I love them well. All right. So those are the things we can do, guys. Uh, that leads us to the last thing, which is uh, every week we've asked you to make a commitment. And so the commitment this week, if you've got your sermon notes on the yellow sheet of paper, uh, fifth commitment, we only have one more to make and we are done. And again, we're not asking you to turn these things in, but we do ask that you would actually prayerfully uh, sign them and and date them and and keep them in your Bible or somewhere uh, that is important to you. Uh, Commitment number five uh, says this. Uh, It says, I will pray for my leaders. That is not uh, correct. (laughs) I will be a good church member. Somebody needs to really check the pastor. Uh, I am... (laughs) I am a church, I had two funerals this week. That's that's my excuse. Uh, I'm a church member, it says, I will lead my family to be good members of this church as well. So that's what it's about. So the commitment is, I will lead my family to be good church members. So you can scratch through what it says, write that. Uh, I'm a church member, I will lead my family to be good church members uh, of this church as well. We will worship together in our church. We will serve together in our church. And we will ask Christ to help us fall deeper in love with this church because he gave his life for her, all right? That's the commitment we're gonna ask you to make. I'm just gonna give you a couple of seconds real quick. I'm gonna pray for you, then I'm gonna ask our our ushers to come forward. We're gonna take up the morning offering, but let me pray for you for a second, and uh, I'll ask you to to sign those things on your way out. Uh, We've got a lot of announcements this morning I wanna get to, but let me pray for us. Father, um, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you for the, the great gift that it is to be a parent and the huge responsibility it is to be a parent. And Lord, I pray that you would help each of us learn uh, that, that our kids are sponges and they're watching and they're soaking up not just what we say, but more importantly, really what we do. And Lord, we have to do this thing called worship, called love of you better. Help us understand the primary purpose that we exist is to love you with everything that we are. And God, all those places were falling short. Would you just minister to our heart today and show us how we can do better? Call us to do better, Lord. It is not too late. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for their witness. God, I pray that you'd give them strength to walk this out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, Uh, I'm gonna ask you to sign that at some point this morning, okay? Maybe when you head off to Sunday school, maybe when you go to get in your car before you start the engine. I'm going to ask you to sign that. Hey, I'm going to commit to this. That's what I'm going to be about. Uh, I'm, at this time, I'm going to ask our ushers to come forward. We've got some announcements we want to get to um, today. We've got a lot of fun going on and uh, a lot of stuff. Some of you are here early, and Catherine will be here in a second. Um, but we want you to, to be thinking about coming back to see us after the 11 o'clock service. We've got lunch, a huge fundraiser. If you go eat early, come back at least and uh, bid on one of the desserts, all right? We have a dessert auction. We need those, those pies and cakes to sell for a lot of money. Uh, all that money is really just a, a gift to kids. I mean, truthfully, we're cooking for you and we're giving you uh, diabetes so that, so, so, that, uh, so that these kids can go to camp 
and, and really fall in love with Jesus. And so you're welcome for the diabetes. And um, we, we don't have any insulin here, but I know they sell it at HEB and Walmart. So, and CVS. So um, no, no, seriously, uh, this would be, a, you say, I don't, I don't eat dessert. So throw a hundred bucks up for a dessert, take it to a neighbor. Be like, hey man, our kids are going to camp. I bought this. I think it's awesome. Go eat this. And so uh, it'll be really, really cool. Uh, guys, um, at this time, if you're not a member here, I want you to know you don't have to give. Uh, that is your, that's your, 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 your card here. You don't have to give. This is just for our people. Uh, if you're a member of this church, we, we want you to belong to the body, right? We want you to give to the body. We want you to serve the body. We want you to pray for this body. Um, so if you're a visitor with us, if you instead would fill out the card in front of you, it says, hey, I'm a visitor. Um, just fill that out and bring it to me at the end of service. I've got a little uh, gift for you. And I'll be over here to my left, to your right. I'd be happy to give that to you. Father, um, thank you for who you are. Lord, thank you for how you provide for this church. God, you are so good. Mm-hmm. And this morning, we just recognize your goodness. We boast of your goodness, Lord, that, that, um, that you've been so good. You've shown up in summer months. You've shown up in short months. You've shown up when we've had a fifth Sunday. You just keep showing up, and, and, and we're not just meeting budget. We're exceeding budget because you're good and because you're our provider. And we just declare that, God. There is nothing that we have in our life that is a result of our own hands. Right? We, we, we declare everything we have in our life is actually a gift from your hand, and therefore it is good. And so we're, we're returning unto you a portion of that, saying that you are God and we are not. And, and we're so thankful. We, we rest in this, God. We rest in, in giving back to you because it is a symbol that we are not in charge and we don't have to be uh, responsible for all the commitments in our life like you oversee all those things. And so, God, thank you for taking that burden from us. Thank you for giving us the ability to return unto you a portion of all that you give unto us. Jesus, we love you. Be glorified in the way that we give. Take it, multiply it, bless it, to use it for your kingdom and for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.